Good morning, my Patriot friends. Welcome to My Patriot Brain, the show that unleashes all that freedom and liberty locked away in my synapses. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Mather. Today is Thursday, January 25th, 2024. I'm coming to you from behind the MPS Behavioral Science Analytics microphone here in Oklahoma City. Thank you for downloading this episode. My Patriot Brain is recorded live and published twice a week every Monday and Thursday morning on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. The show is also available on many of the other listening platforms that you may have. Follow My Patriot Brain on Spotify and share the show with your friends, your loved ones, your family members, your enemies, and anyone else you can think of who needs inside My Patriot Brain. Go to my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com for free content and social media links where you can follow me on Locals, Truth Social, Rumble, and YouTube. My Patriot Brain is sponsored by GadstonOne.com. Gadston, preserve the founding. Uh, professional football news. Uh, we are in the championship rounds of the playoffs, uh, the AFC Championship. Uh, the Chiefs play at the Ravens at 2 o'clock Central Time on CBS. Uh, and then uh, I guess that would be uh, Sunday. Um, Baltimore is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, NFC Championship game, the Detroit Lions play at the San Francisco 49ers at 5.30 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Uh, San Francisco is a seven-point favorite. Uh, professional basketball, the National Basketball Association. Oklahoma City Thunder are 31-13, and 13, and they are in sole possession of first place in the Western Conference. Uh, Thunder defeated the Spurs last night, 140-114. to 114. Uh, Now they're... T- and, uh, they are. Um, they play the Pelicans uh, fr- Friday at 7 p.m. Central Time. Men's college basketball news: uh, NCAA AP Top Five. UConn is in first place, followed by Purdue, uh, North Carolina, Houston, and Tennessee. University of Oklahoma in men's basketball is ranked number 11 in the AP. Uh, they are, have a 15 and four record, the three and three record in conference. They lost to Texas 75 to 60 on, I believe, Tuesday night. Uh, Texas Tech is ranked number 20. They are 15 and three with a four and one conference record. They are in first place in the Big 12. Uh, Texas Tech plays at OU at 1 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, and I also just checked uh, those NFL games are indeed all both on Sunday. Uh, professional hockey, Boston is in first place. New York Rangers are in first place. Uh, Winnipeg and Vancouver round out your division leaders. Uh, New York Rangers overall record is 29 and 15. Dallas Stars are 28 and 13 and St. Louis Blues won last night and they have a 24 and 20 record. Uh, Major League Baseball news. Uh, the new newest Hall of Fame uh, members are, have been announced. Uh, they've been elected. Uh, they'll be inducted this summer. Uh, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Jim Leland, uh, who's a manager, uh, and then Joe Maurer. Uh, congratulations to those guys. Uh, on their induction into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, just some kind of social commentary uh, driving around town. Um, you know, I've got kids and it's you, you run across things that you worry that they might ask you about or that you might have to explain to them. And I, I it's, it could be tricky, right? I have to explain to them that an adult Bible study and an adult toy store have very different meanings of the word adult uh, when you when you place those in context of Bible study and, and toy store. Um, so things I worry about driving around town here in Oklahoma City, uh, will I have to explain the difference between how an adult Bible study and an adult toy store differ? Uh, okay, so I was thinking about something, you know, one of the things in schools now, middle school, high school, like they don't allow you to lock your lockers anymore. And that was always something when I was growing up as you had to, I still have nightmares about forgetting the combination to my locker, but athletic locker room. I could put a lock on a lock. I could do it in, in the high school. Like 
every, wherever we had lockers, right? We could put locks on the lockers so that people wouldn't steal our stuff. And I did go, I did grow up in a school where that was you know, going to happen if you didn't lock things up. Uh, so, but now, you know, because of school shootings and things like that, the idea is that there's more transparency. Um, everybody can go through the lockers whenever they want. Um, of course, the lockers had combinations on the lockers, so the the, unit, the uh, school administrators could always have gone through them anytime they wanted to. Um, anyway, so I just find it interesting because you know now kids get stuff stolen from them all the time. There's nothing they can do about it. They just have to they put they have to put their stuff in the locker, and then anybody can take stuff out of the lockers. Uh, and so it just kind of baffles me that there's no respect for personal property in a school anymore, which I think goes along with kind of the general socialism we have in our culture where there seems to be taboo to believe in property and possession. Um, you know, one of the things I think we saw is we saw fewer school shootings when kids actually could lock their lockers. Um, and administrators, of course, would have still had access to those lockers. If you don't allow them to put a lock on something, then, you know, most of the lockers used to have locks installed in them. Um, I didn't bring my own lock to the school lockers. It was only for the athletics that we did that. Anyway, can we give the kids back their locks, right? Can we let the kids police their own property? Um, you know, as parents, we buy property for our kids or have the kids buy their own property. But either way, uh, the school should be a place where if it's required to have something that, that's protected in some way or that they're allowed to protect themselves. But again, right, you're, you're not allowed. Um, you, you know, there's all these gun free zones where you're not allowed to protect yourself with a firearm. Uh, and, you know, you're not I'm not saying kids should take guns to school, obviously. Um, but my point is they can't even take a lock to school uh, in most school districts. Uh, so can we give the kids back their locks and let them have some respect for their own, and, and responsibility for their own property? Uh, okay, so I've been forced to watch Roseanne a lot lately. I, I watched that growing up, and I remember my my grandmother hated that show, and I, and I understand why now. Uh, we always thought it was a funny show. Like, why why does she dislike it so much? But you know, she said she was, you know, my grandmother was a social worker in East Texas for many years. And she saw, you know, the underbelly of, of, uh, of, of East Texas, right? She said she was in one of the most, uh, actually one of the top um, poorest communities in the country, um, not just at the time, but even more recently. Uh, they've held that title for a long time. Uh, and so she was in one of the most top, she was in the, one of the top most impoverished communities in the, you know, most impoverished County, uh, you know, in the nation. So she saw a lot of stuff as a social worker doing that. And it's interesting. Uh, she, she had also grown up very poor, um, but she was a, a Republican. She was a, a Reagan Republican. Uh, and that came because she saw a lot of the, what the, what the government did to people and how they made them dependent on that. So she was a social worker for a long stretch of time that included the implementation of Lyndon Johnson, who was from her native Texas, uh, Lyndon Johnson's social programs. And she saw what that did and what that did to people. So anyway, I just, this isn't meant to be about this, but she hated Roseanne because she saw so much of, um, you know, the worst parts of what she had seen. Uh, and, and it just kind of triggered her. I hate to use that woke term trigger, but kind of triggered her. She didn't like the show. She found Roseanne obnoxious. Uh, and I think most of the world finds Roseanne pretty obnoxious. Um, funny though, I mean, I've watched her show. I watched her show years ago, but we've been watching it more recently. And I, I finally got that. Uh, I think we're not watching it as much now, but so, you know, there was this, there was this idea floating around a few years ago that Roseanne, because she supported Trump was a conservative and that she got you know booted from her show because she was a conservative. And that's, 
She's absolutely not a conservative. Okay. And, and here I can, I can prove that to you. Okay. She ran for president in 2012 against Jill Stein in the green party. Okay. She's not a conservative. Uh, she ran. And then after she lost the nomination to Jill Stein in, in 2012 for the green party, she turned around and ran as a candidate for the peace and freedom party in 2012. And her vice presidential pick, uh, her vice pre- presidential candidate on her ticket was Cindy Sheehan. Remember her, the crazy person that harassed George Bush all those years. Uh, you know, think whatever you want about how Bush has responded to the uh, the Trump administration and even us, right, who support Donald Trump. Um, but it, you can't really debate the fact that Cindy Sheehan was kind of a lunatic. She was their vice president. So Roseanne actually got Roseanne Barr actually got sixty seven thousand votes for U.S. president, and she finished sixth in the election in two thousand and twelve. So. But anyway, so she did not get booted off of uh, the show because she supported Trump and was a conservative. She Maybe she got booted off because she supported Trump. I think it was really, can you imagine working with her? I mean, I'm sure she was kind of obnoxious and hard to work with. Uh, funny as hell, right? Like I, I do enjoy her stuff, um, but I don't think it was her politics that got her booted off of the show. Um, they took a decidedly woke turn after it turned into the Connors or whatever, which I haven't really watched. But, um, but again, I just want you to say, you know, conservatives have a, a history of doing this, right? Like we suddenly get all excited about Kanye um, because we think he's a conservative because he supports Trump, but he's actually not a conservative at all. Elon Musk, like all these people that we see in pop culture that we get excited about, we're like, cause we're like, yeah, they, th- they said something kind of conservative one time. And then conservatives make that a, you know, their representative. And then all of a sudden they get surprised whenever it turns out that they're not a conservative like we got to stop doing that we got we, our conservatives should be the the conservatives that we put up on a pedestal and that pedestal should be pretty tenuous uh, and i'm saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek because conservatives don't tend to do that but we do get really excited about anybody who will show us any positive attention at all and we kind of take them and promote them as our own we sh- we've got to stop doing that i know i've told told you this a million times but roseanne's another example uh, on joe pag's show tuesday which you can always catch his reruns on rumble uh, he had Victor um, Avula, uh, and he's running for Congress in Texas. Uh, he, he made some really good points about um, the cartels should be classified as terrorists. Uh, and I would go out there on a limb and say, you know, I would bet that there's some just regular, not not white nationalist Christians, but like actually regular Christian groups that are probably on the on the terrorist watch list for the federal government and classified as such. But the cartels aren't on there. Uh, and why is that? You know, we should be fighting the cartels as a terrorist organization. Uh, and probably ought to be, and we should be using the military to do that. Uh, and the cartels are awful, awful groups that do subhuman things to, to other human beings. Uh, they traffic people, they, they traffic people in, uh, they, they rape people, they, um, push people into sex trades, uh, and they, and they kill people all the time. Uh, you know, I, I work in the Hispanic community. I work with a community that is terrified of the cartels, right? Because the cartels don't just stop at the border uh, they will go after families uh, of somebody and they hold that over the heads of people they bring across the border. They'll go after families of people anywhere in the United States that they can get to um, because, and that's how they hold it over people's heads and, and extort money. They're just awful, awful people. Uh, and should, in fact, I believe that Victor Avula was right and he's onto something. Why don't we classify them as terrorist groups and, you know, fight them with the military? Uh one of the things he also mentioned was the fact that it'd be really easy to just undo the executive orders. There's not even more money that's needed. 
uh, to go to the border, to fighting the border, uh, just undo the executive orders and roll back to what uh, Donald Trump was doing. Uh, of course, the Biden administration lies about a lot of things, but one of the things that the Biden administration mentioned last week in a press conference was, well, it's the Republicans that are holding things up because we wanted more border um, border officers and they said no. Well, that was one tiny piece of the big plan that they, they had that they pitched to get, take a lot of money and spend on a lot of woke things. And they don't even want to use those border officers to try to protect the border. They want to use them to process people and get them in faster at the ports of entry. Uh, immigration is a nightmare. And, and Joe Biden should probably be sitting in jail uh, over his failure to enforce the laws of the land, which he took an oath to do. And I don't understand why people don't hold other people accountable to their oaths. Uh, Nathan Dom, uh, is, uh, I believe a, he's a Senator here in, in, in Oklahoma, uh, ran for governor a couple years ago. He's got a lot, he's, he's, he's an interesting character. He's got a lot of really good ideas. He, he's a pretty hardline conservative. Uh, if you ever look up his voting records on things, uh, you'll, you'll laugh at him, uh, because he's super hardcore conservative. Like there's conservative things that he won't even vote for because they're not perfect. Like I, 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 I'm a big fan of his. I really do like what he does. Um, I'm not a big fan of what he's done here, although it, it is the kind of thing that perhaps I would do if I was in his position. Um, but sometimes I don't always make the right decisions either. So he's pr he's promoted that what he's calling the common sense press control bill. And so this bill would require life. It's hard to even say without laughing would require license and training for anybody who's in the press uh, and would mandate eight hours um, of training from the state department of education here in Oklahoma, right? Which is overseen by you know, Ryan Walters uh, and eight hours of that training, so that training would be required through PragerU. And so he's taken a lot of heat for this. He's doing this tongue in cheek. His whole point of this is that we have, you know, we have the freedom of, we have the second amendment, right? So we have the freedom to, to carry guns. We have the freedom for, for guns. And, but the press and all the woke press and everybody else always say, yes, but there are restrictions on that. You don't just get your freedom. And so his whole point is let's create a bill that, that requires it show the highlight, the absurdity uh, of the press and the absurdity of the, um, of the woke folks. And, you know, and we'll call it common sense, just like common sense, gun law, It'll be common sense, press control, common sense, gun control, common sense, press control. Why would you be opposed to have being trained uh, on being unbiased? Why would you be opposed to being trained on um, avoiding propaganda? Why would you be opposed to those things um, anyway? And why would you be opposed to getting training from the State Department of Education uh, anyway? So he's doing the whole thing tongue in cheek. I get it. All that does, though, is give the Democrats you know, more red meat for election season to be able to say these crazy Republicans. And of course, the neocons will fall for that and say, I don't like what the Republicans listen to how crazy they are. And so that the neocons will actually fall for voting for Democrats when Republicans do this kind of stuff. Like we need to do stuff that we're serious about. And, and again, I, I'm a big fan of Nathan Dobb. I would probably do the same thing. You know, that's, this is, this is the kind of idea that I would come up with. Okay. So I'll be honest. Um, but it's not, I don't think it's a good idea. It's not a good use of time. It's not a good use of resources and it makes the Republicans look bad. Um, it does, uh, it doesn't highlight them, right? It doesn't highlight the craziness of, of the woke press or the, the liberals at all, because all the, they have control of the microphone anyway. So it, this doesn't accomplish anything, but it made me laugh. And again, it didn't make me not a fan of Nathan Dom. I, I'm still a fan of his. I think he does a great job with what he's doing. Uh, and it did make me laugh. And, you know, if you're going to go all in on it, keep going. Uh, so anyway, just a little bit of news from Oklahoma. 
So my daughter brought a can. She had made a candle. They had a colonial days event at school and she made a candle, handmade candle. They all did. And it was in a, like a paper cup down at the bottom of the paper cup where it had molded. And so she'd asked me, Hey, do we have a, a plastic plate that I could use to, and I said, for what? And she's like, well, I want to burn my candle. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we have, well, first I'd said, no, we have paper plates. And then she's like, oh, I think that'll work. And I asked some more questions. It was about the candle. I was like, oh, I didn't know if maybe it was because the plastic wasn't going to catch fire or whatever. Anyway, so nothing comes of it. You know, a week later she says something about wanting to burn her candle. And I said, yeah, we can, we can do that sometime and, and get the plate. And I said, it's a, what's really impressive to me is the fact that you can burn this candle and it, and it doesn't catch fire because of that paper cup that's around it. She's like, Oh no, no, no. We're supposed to take the paper cup off. And I said, Oh my gosh. Well, it seems like that the teacher should have like sent an email or something to the parents and said, Hey, we're sending these candles home. Be sure to take the paper cup off. Cause if that doesn't get communicated from the student uh, to the parent, then the parents may say, okay, well, we're supposed to burn it like this. We're going to burn it like this. And, and the whole thing catches fire. And then I realized, right, what you're relying on here is the student to have learned the lesson about what you all discussed in class. So it's like your ultimate final exam. The student comes home, and if they don't burn the house down, you pass the final exam. If they burn the house down, you failed because the student didn't learn what they're supposed to learn. That's I love the school that my kids go to, and I love the fact that maybe maybe that was the, the deep lesson there, um, like a, an all-in final exam. Uh, get it right. You live, you, you, you get it wrong, you burn your whole house down. All right. Well, speaking of schools, uh, Georgetown School of Foreign Service uh, sent an email to students on January 10th, and they, they're doubling down on all their DEI stuff. And they said that government of ours that we've elected and that we put into place, um, but we don't agree with the uh, Supreme Court's decision on it. So we're, 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 not, we're just going to ignore it. Because that's what liberals do. They ignore laws. They push for laws that are favorable to them, and they ignore anything that doesn't, doesn't fit with what they want to do. So they sent out an email on January 10th to all their students and said, we are going all in on this DEI stuff, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Here's some quotes from their email. We're going to, quote, embed attention to DEI in hiring, promotion, and performance review efforts. Well, there's their big middle finger to the Supreme Court, right? We're going to ensure, this is another quote, Anti-racism and DEI are regularly and consistently part of leaders' messaging, which means you're going to hear a whole lot of DEI and, and anti-racism was a word they put in there. Anti-racism BS. Uh, if you're going to be anywhere near this school, the leaders are going to be emailing that to you like, as a consistently part of leaders' messaging, which means they're going to be bombarding you with anti-racism BS. Uh, another quote from their email. They're going to affirm and reward attention to DEI and anti-racism in course content and classroom operations. This should be a very clear sign to you conservatives. Don't go to Georgetown. If you didn't already know that, you should have known that over the past 20 years. Um, don't go to Georgetown. Don't go to their school of foreign service. They're going to affirm and reward. We're going to give you a stuff, right? Like we're going to make sure that you're doing this because we want you to do more of it. Reward attention to DEI and anti-racism. The anti-racism is the really thing that, that, just really is tells everybody just if you're not a wildly progressive woke liberal, then you can go to hell, right? That's what they're telling you. Uh, and anti-racism in course content, which means it's going to be all over everything you read, everything you talk about. It will not just infect, but it will overtake your class and classroom operations, which means I don't know, classroom operations. What does that mean? Like that means how teachers are going to select what students to call on, I guess, or talk to, or who gets to talk, who doesn't. This is just bad stuff. 
It's terrible education. Uh, and I will add this. They have a new mandatory race, power and justice course. Uh, like that's the name of the title. That's the, the course of the title. I'm not just giving it a description. Race, power and justice is a new mandatory course that they have. So anyway, all you conservatives out there who are looking for schools to go to programs to do things to do in your life. Uh, I would say probably don't go to Georgetown School of Foreign Service because you're going to have a terrible time there. You're not going to learn anything and you're only going to be connected to people who are uh, just really unpleasant people with bad ideas. Uh, Speaking of unpleasant people, uh, the House Administration Committee's Oversight Subcommittee was owed four terabytes of data from the Democrats for the J6 stuff. J stuff, we'll call it stuff. Was it an insurrection? Um, nothing legally has ever, no one's been tried for insurrection. So I'd say, no, there's no insurrection. Was it a riot? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that the federal government created most of this chaos, or at least a lot of it. So when the Republicans took over the committee, they were owed four terabytes of data from the Democrats who had run the committee. Right? Remember, Nancy Pelosi created this committee. Uh, it was all Democrats. And then she hand-selected to make it bipartisan. Uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger um, to be on the committee. So they were the two, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger were the two Republicans on the committee, right? They famously um, just were there for show and to, for, for there to push the, the Democratic narrative. What's funny is it wasn't until now that I even realized that Adam Kinzinger is a Republican. I didn't know that. I thought he was a terrible Democrat and I had no idea that there was an R next to his name. Uh, Liz Cheney, I knew was a Republican uh, or at least had claimed to be at certain times, but Adam Kinzinger, I had no idea was a Republican. So they were, they were supposed to be given four terabytes of data. Terabytes is a lot of information. Uh, they were given less than three terabytes uh, and they found, and so Republican, the, the committee, when the Republicans took over, hired a forensics team to go in and find deleted files from the congressional archives uh, of, of the, of the people. They found 117 files recovered. So the forensic team recovered 117 files but the files were encrypted and password protected. So the Democrats deleted a whole bunch of stuff intentionally and not just like, oh, well, we accidentally deleted it. They encrypted it and they password protected it and then deleted it and wiped it before they did, chose to not give it to the committee that they were supposed to. So there were 117 files and over one terabyte of information that they hid from the American public intentionally. This is corruption at its highest level. This is the swamp being illegally corrupt, right? So they can't crack them. They can't get into those files. I figure, have they tried legally hacking our old Republican friends, uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Adam Kinzinger's files to try to find the passwords? Um, Anyway, I I think that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger ought to be brought up on on contempt of Congress. Actually, the whole committee that was there that did all this should be. Um, But maybe just go after Cheney and Kinzinger and bring them up for contempt of Congress, which remember the Democrats made such a big deal out of contempt of Congress during all of Trump's things. Anybody that would go there and how you have to respect the respect the body and all this stuff. But then they don't show up. Right. We've seen what Hunter Biden does, how he respects that. Uh, But anyway, at least hold their feet to the fire a little bit and use their Alinsky tactic of using, you know, holding you to your own rules. That's an Alinsky tactic that they use on us all the time. Uh, Let's do that. The, uh, there's a big circada, circada, circadian, circadian is actually from, um, the root of coming up annually, which is also where cicada comes from too. Um, but cicada, there's going to be a big cicada invasion, uh, that comes across where there's several different species that are all going to emerge 
with, I think, 15 to 17 year uh, emergences, and they're going to come out at the same time. So it's going to be super loud this summer. I know I've told this story before, but we had a really loud uh, cicada invasion back in 97, in the summer of 97, I think, uh, when I was working in the maximum security prison. And one of the schizophrenics thought there were aliens coming after him, and I probed a little bit more, and it was he thought the aliens were coming down every night, and I let him know there was this uh, cicada in uh, cicada 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 invasion and so the cicada invasion is what he was hearing as they came out it was deafening every night uh, anyway so he thought it was aliens he thought he was his meds weren't working anymore turns out his meds were working fine he was they were really there but you know to a schizophrenic who's hallucinating reality and the hallucinations seem exactly the same to them uh, so he'd come to me because he had sleeping problems and and he slept fine after that once he realized they were just cicadas and not an alien ship coming out to get him you know, the rhythmic sound from the, from the cicadas making their sound. Um, I could see how that would sound like aliens. And I think about that uh, every summer. Uh, we also had a record cave cricket um, immersion, immersion, invasion. I don't know. They all came out of the ground back in Texas in the mid, early 2000s. And it was so bad that you, your car would slide around on the highway because of all the, the cave crickets that were on the highway and the bug guts that were on the ground made it slick like ice. It was crazy. Uh, driving through the back roads of East Texas, sliding around on, on dead cave crickets. So heads up, we're getting a, a cicada invasion again this summer, and they're always kind of cool. Okay, so to today's topic. Today's topic is from an article that was published in the, the journal Aggressive Behavior by Adams, Tro, Trohan, and Bellinger called Consumed by Creed. Obsessive compulsive symptoms underpin ideological obsession and support for political violence. So psychologists, social psychologists, anthropologists, sociologists, everybody, um, criminologists have always tried to figure out what causes individuals to participate in collective violence. And so and kind of a history lesson on this, there, there was a perspective for a while that it was dysfunctional. And so there was a lot of research on authoritarianism. Uh, and the idea was that it's authoritarians are the ones who participate in collective violence. And then that was kind of shot down a little bit, or maybe, maybe there was a pivot in, in the, the research on this stuff. And there was the idea that, okay, people who do this stuff are normal. Stanley Milgram's obedience studies kind of led the charge in making the shift to, instead of being uh, there being personal deficiencies with the people who do this in, in collective violence, uh, that they're actually quite normal. And of course, Milgram's obedience study showed that you could push normal people to do um, very you know heinous things. So the, the current study that we're going to talk about here looks at ideological obsession, which is, I would call kind of a uh, how ex, you know maybe politically extreme you are with an ideology. Not, it doesn't have to be politics, but how extreme you are with an ideology and how obsessed you are with that. And so that's linked to obsessive compulsive disorder symptoms, not the disorder itself, but to symptoms. And in this particular study, they did four different studies, sub-studies, and they did a meta-analysis looking at all of them together. But they surveyed 1,114 people in the United States. It was an online survey. This included environmental activists, Republicans, Democrats, and Muslims. In the meta-analysis looking at all of them, they were all put together. But the way they actually did it was in study one, they looked at environmental activists only. In study two, they looked at Democrats only. In study three, they looked at Republicans only. And in study four, they looked at Muslims only. They used a passion scale, uh, which was a scale that was had a number of items that were looking at how passionate people are about things. 
uh, a commitment to ideology scale or I think they had several, I don't think it was a scale. I think they had several measures of commitment to ideology, uh, that peaceful and violent activism. They measured, had measures of that, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. They had measures of those symptoms, symptoms of anxiety, symptoms of depression. They measured all those, uh, substance abuse, um, experience, adverse childhood experience, um, which would be, you know, uh, extreme poverty or rape or, um, you know, different things that can happen to a child. Uh, loss of, or loss of a parent would be one. Uh, loss of significance. They had a scale for that that they looked at. So they looked at all these things and then looked for connections. They found that obsessive compulsive disorder symptoms predicted ideological obsessions. So, you know, I, how much you maybe obsess over your progressive ideology or your conservative ideology or your religious ideology, whatever. Obsessive compulsive disorders symptoms predicted ideological obsessions and violent intentions. Right. So what are you going to do about it? Maybe using using violence for that. So they found this even when they controlled for age, gender, mental health issues, personality characteristics, adverse childhood experiences, loss of significance, substance abuse. Right. So all that stuff that measured didn't make any difference on this. It was the obsessive compulsive disorder symptoms that consistently predicted obsessive passion, which relates to violent activism. So what you have here is that you have you know, when you ask yourself, like, what makes a person go, you know, what I, I'm trying to find examples on kind of on all sides, but what makes a person go firebomb an abortion clinic or uh, try to bomb a, uh, some type of, you know, uh, let's see, like firebomb an abortion clinic would be um, pro-life conservatives doing something. Um, and then I guess, you know, what makes liberals do things like, um, you know, try to blow up animal, uh, what are they called? I've been in them. I've been in animal, uh, animal research centers, things like that. Right. Or, or doesn't have to be that it can be religious too. Uh, what makes a, a, a terrorist, um, want to blow up a building on behalf of their terrorist group. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've been, I couldn't remember the animal, um, cognition studies, animal, clinic type things, but I've been in one of those where I had to go through multiple doors, uh, levels of security. It was kind of like the uh, get smart stuff where you'd walk through and all the, all the doors open and close, open and close. You get through there, you get all the way down. And then there's, you know, uh, some, you know, tiny scientist with a bunch of pigeons in this particular case. Uh, and the pigeons are given cocaine to learn. This is one that I was actually in. The pigeons were given cocaine to, uh, and looked at for their learning and their brains. And they would, you know, kill the, kill the pigeons, look at the, uh, look at their brains, look at what parts were affected by the, the cocaine. And then they had to have all that security. And I realized the security was there so that nobody comes in to liberate the pigeons uh, or no one comes in to liberate the cocaine that they have there because it was a controlled governmental substance that they were using for studies. Anyway, all of the threats to those kind of things would be people who have, you know, obsessive passion and ideological obsession, right? Uh, that's what relates to the violent activism. I keep thinking of the 1960s, right? When, when all those animal clinics were being um, destroyed or broken into or lit on fire or uh, that kind of stuff. But there's obviously examples from every perspective you can think of. And this finding transcends ideology, right? It, it does. It's not a Republican thing or a Democrat thing or an environmental activist thing or a Muslim thing or a Christian thing or anything. It transcends all of that. And looking at all those other studies of looking at that study and looking at all those other factors that were measured that didn't affect it at all, like substance abuse or, or um, mental, 
mental health issues or personality characteristics, all that stuff didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was certain obsessive compulsive symptoms, uh, which is fascinating. And it demonstrates that somebody who's willing to go that far uh, obviously has some uh, obsessive components about their nature, which is fascinating. And it should launch a lot of new research. It certainly shines some light onto the historical perspectives, which the dysfunctional perspective, like authoritarians being uh, being prone to this type of collective violence, fell short. But there's some there's some components of that that are there that are true. And then the normal part that normal people can do it. There's components of that, too, like Scott Atran's research that showed that uh, people typically that that actual terrorists in the Middle East uh, typically do it because of their families, because they want to bring honor to their family and they want they're doing it for their friends that are part of the movement and their family, but they're not actually as committed to the ideology when they're doing it. There's social components to this. Uh, the authoritarian thing always bothers me because again, I've talked about this in the past, but that connection to the fact that the scale, the, the main authoritarian scale uh, that they created was very biased against conservatives. And in fact, it actually maps on very well to conservative ideology. If you just correlate the two scales, um, but authoritarian there are other scales that measure authoritarianism in people other than just conservatives that capture everybody. And so that, I think that's where that comes into play too. But here, what we're looking at is obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, predicting accurately, predicting obsessive passion, which relates to violent activism. Uh, more on that in my closing thoughts. Okay. To the Patriot brain line, Chris from South Oklahoma city said, great show today. I wonder if Biden and the Democrats will try to push through another executive action to forgive student loans closer to the general election, legal bribery for votes. Basically. Um, that's a great insight that I hadn't, I don't know why I hadn't thought of it. It seems so obvious, but people aren't really talking about it. Uh, and I think that's a fantastic insight and I would expect that to happen. Chris from South Oklahoma city. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, Kurt from central Oklahoma says the story related to, he sent me a story. He said the story, this story related to attorney general Drummond, who's the attorney general in Oklahoma references, the stock exchange. I thought the NACs, which is the natural asset companies. I thought the NACs deal was an sec proposal, which is the security and exchange commission. In the end, I would, I would bet that it's one. And this, I would bet that it's one and the same person or people involved in the push to allow this activity. I'm glad to see that Drummond was against it. Uh, so thank you, Kurt from central Oklahoma uh, for sending that. Uh, so the security and exchange commission had created, if I remember correctly, created a, a proposal to the New York stock exchange to have this allowed and listed. So that's where the stock exchange part uh, came in is that the security exchange commission had um, created the proposal to the New York stock exchange for it. And then the security exchange commission pulled their proposal from the New York stock exchange, but that, didn't mean that, like you said, there, there's not other efforts, other places going on uh, and that that's, I, I bet you're right. I'm sure it's one person that's doing all that. Uh, can I make a bet too, that it's probably George Soros? Uh, just a hunch. Uh, Girly 920 from Tennessee uh, sent me an, an art article about Governor Stitt here, Kevin Stitt here in Oklahoma, um, posting a tweet or an X, whatever they're called now. Uh, that Oklahoma supports Texas and Texas's efforts to get the federal government off their backs so that, that Texas can enforce their own border because the federal government's not enforcing it. Uh, thank you for sending me that. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that or seen that or gotten that from anybody else, even though I'm here in Oklahoma. So I appreciate you sending that to me. Um, and I think I did, I maybe got it after you had sent me something, um, but uh, you were the first to send that to me. So appreciate you sending me that. Cause that got me um, 
to a point where I knew what was going on when I got it from somebody else and other people start asking me questions about it. Uh, so thank you. I appreciate all you listeners that send me things because you keep me uh, up to date, not only for the show, um, for online conversations that we have on locals. Um, you, you'd be welcome to have conversations with me on Truth Social, but nobody ever takes me up on that. Um, but on locals, we have uh, the, the subscriber option where we have um, some pretty good conversations on some uh, some good stuff uh, behind the paywall where your your workers, your, your workers, your employers uh, can't find who you are and what you said and then punish you in some way um, by outing you. But uh, also in, in conversations I have, like in real life, actually, I don't exist only online. I walk around the world and I, I, I talk to people all the time and see people and people ask me lots of questions. People listen to the show, people that don't listen to the show, but everybody's asking me my opinion on things and it's good for me to be up to date. So thank you, girly920 from Tennessee for sending me that article. Uh, T from Edmond uh, sent me leaked audio of the Arizona GOP chair, Jeff DeWitt or former Arizona chair, um, Jeff, Jeff DeWitt trying to bribe Carrie Lake. And I, I got that some other from some other places after that, but I, I was well on my way to investigating that after T from Edmond sent me that. So thank you for keeping me posted on that. Uh, by now you've probably heard about it. That was a couple of days ago that, that I got that. Uh, it, interesting to me in the, in the audio, right? So Carrie Lake was talking about this last night on uh, Greg Kelly's Newsmax show. And she said, you know, he said he was a friend of mine in there. And she's like, he's not a friend because friends don't do this to other people, right? Friends don't, friends don't do this. They don't put him in that position, right? Because Carrie Lake said, no, I'm not going to accept the, um, the money from the people out East who want to give a bunch of money for her to not run for Senate. And she said, you know, he's, he, no, he's, he's not a friend because he put me in that bad position. And, and also, you know, he said not to tell anyone but I went ahead and did. Well, just first of all, just because someone says don't tell anyone, right? That's the first thing we train kids in all of the, you know, avoid sexual abuse kind of stuff, right? Like don't, you, if somebody tells you, you can't tell anybody about it, that's a bad thing, right? So just because he declared on there several times, like you can't tell anybody about this doesn't mean she can't tell anybody. She can still play the recording for people. Uh, and that's fine. And it was appropriate to do that. But she said that, um, he's not a friend. Like he, friends don't do this to people. Like, okay. Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he, he, maybe he was a good friend, right? Like I don't have friends that come to my house and, and park outside my, my house and say, Hey, I need to talk to you real fast. Hey, I've got some people that'll give you $2 million not to run for Senate. You know? And if somebody came to me and said that, I'd say like, I'm done. Right. Perfect deal. Where do I sign up? Give me the $2 million because I wasn't planning on running for Senate anyway. And I'm not, and so give me the $2 million. I can turn around and hand that to some other candidate if I want. Maybe I'll give a million of it to another candidate that can run and say what I want to say. No, I don't think Carrie Lake, obviously she should not have taken the bribe, but to say that Jeff's not a friend when he brought her a bribe for $2 million to not do something, I, mean, I don't know. That's, uh, I don't have any friends that bring me $2 million. I don't think she was looking at that angle of it. She was looking at the, why would he put me in that position? And, and I agree with what she's saying. I'm just, I'm saying this all being kind of silly, but, um, but I don't have any friends that are bringing me $2 million to not do something that I wasn't doing at the moment anyway. Uh, so I don't know, maybe, maybe people are too hard on Jeff DeWitt. Maybe, maybe we need more friends like Jeff DeWitt and I'm kidding. What he did was illegal. Uh, thank you to T for, from Edmund for sending me that. Um, all right. So to Patriot Brainline, you can voice message me through Spotify for podcasters. You can engage with the show through Truth Socials and Locals, or you can email me at the email address listed on my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com.
Independent podcasts thrive with private investments that offset the time and financial costs of equipment, software, writing, producing, editing, and on-air talent. Please consider supporting My Patriot Brain with a small monthly donation. You can use the support button on the Spotify for Podcasters page or the support this podcast URL in the show description on your other listening platforms. Thank you for listening. We're strong together. And now it's time for my closing thoughts. Today's study did not tell us to worry about people with obsessive compulsive disorder. What it did was it gave us more insight into the complex formula that can help to create a violent ideological extremist. We, we know that in addition to the factors discussed today, there are conformity pressures that play a role as well. Watch your family and friends. Keep an eye out and don't let them be violent ideological extremists. While you're at it, keep an eye on yourself. I'll be sure to do the same. Till I catch you next time, play hard and have fun. Listen to My Patriot Brain on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Follow me on True Social Locals, Rumble, and YouTube. Check out my other content at theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. Have a fantastic weeding, me, uh, weeding, weeding, weekend, weekend meeting. I don't know. Uh, hope you have no meetings. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. And I will talk to you on Monday morning.